Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Happy two-year anniversary of this podcast. I can't believe it's been two years. It has been exactly two years this Saturday when we put out our first episode with Alchemist. Out in L.A. We taped it in L.A. And, uh, you know, we originally sold this podcast, as everyone knows, as a dinner party-style conversation. And the network at the time put out a press release that said dinner party. And subsequently, we cooked for... (laughs) I don't know, like a dozen or so episodes yeah. thereafter. Which, you know, like it's it's nice to have people over to your home and mm-hmm. it's nice to talk to them. It's mm-hmm. nice to cook for them, but maybe not to do all those things at the same time. And especially when like, you know, the stove is right behind the guest and our apartment is really hot. We uh we kept going and we're 120 episodes in and I think the thing that I'm most proud of throughout this whole process is that we found a niche. And now, look, we've had Charlie Wilson on, we've had Jada Kiss on, we've had Angie Martinez on, Lil Uzi Vert. Fine, big guests who are there to promote something. But what we figured out, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, where we really do very well is when we have guests that are insiders, that are behind the scenes people, that we can talk about industry stuff and, and teach our audience about things that go on. Yeah, but it's not only our audience. Like, like you and I both genuinely love, you know, learning about all of these people and, and how they got to where they are today, but also, like, the behind-the-scenes shit that, that we used to read in XXL or, or any of these places. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we love. Yeah, and uh, and we're, we're thrilled to have shared it with you guys for two years, and we'll keep going as long as you guys listen. And also, thank you guys for everybody who's supporting us during this very special week, not just because it's two years of the podcast, but also... Because it's been three years of the album. We have an album that's going to be... In your digital stores, this Friday, May 26th, it's called Teddy Bear Fresh. And when you talk about dreams, I mean, we performed on a stage with Just Blaze as our DJ, with Freeway on stage with us. We performed with Bun B, with uh, Smoke Dizza, with Clark Kent. We performed at Bonnaroo. Landmark moments in our lives. This is... It's a milestone. Like, this is a real body of work. Like, we put in the work going up to Westchester to uh, Greg Mayo's studio. And shout out to Greg. If we haven't said it enough, Greg is the third partner in It's The Real. He's the uh, the bigs to our, you know, Jay-Z and Dame. Whoever you want to play, we'll play. Right. Um, but, but Greg, who produces all of our music and has... And he's been our best friend since we were very young kids. Um... We put together a project that we're super proud of because it sounds so legitimate. It's got amazing replay value, and we put so much work into our lyrics, into our themes, and and into getting the right guest verses. Right? Like, what what are you most proud of with this with this project? I'm most proud of. I think that like we've got probably some of the best punchlines out right now so uh i don't want to i don't want to jump too far ahead but uh we went down to atlanta and we recorded this podcast with killer mike and one thing we didn't get to mention was that we do find great influence from a fabulous or a kanye in terms of punchlines and having them be you know authentic and legitimate but no just like clever we just clever yeah we want to be as clever and as like you know, there are certain jokes that we liked writing for sketches. There are certain jokes we liked writing for TV shows. But I think that there are certain things that just work 
in, in as bars. And by the way, you know, we we definitely have our own style, and uh, I think that style does translate through the sketches and the TV stuff and interviews and in the music. I would say I'm most proud of the fact that the three of us worked together when we didn't have any money and that we continue to work when we have a little money and we make stuff that we love and that's the best part of this you know we get compliments which is awesome and we get hate which you try to let just like you know slide off you and we stay somewhere in the middle because we love our product. We think it's great. We think there's an audience out for it. And that's why we're putting it on all the streaming services on iTunes because this is something that, you know, we think has legs and, and is a real boy, so to speak, you know? So, um, yeah, we worked we worked so hard to get these verses. And one of the highest compliments came from Michael Christmas and Tunji Ige who told us that they wouldn't have gotten on the songs if they weren't great. And, you know, we didn't know them at the time. Like, we... We had reached out. There was interest of getting them on the podcast at some point, but we didn't know them. We 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 were just fans of their music, and we asked if they would be on ours. There's always this idea that commenters seem to have of like how people clear guest verses, and it that that you know if you have lots of money, then that's how it happens. And right. it's like we have no money, <laughs> um, so that that you know gets thrown out the window. Right. Um, this was through personal relationships. This was through yeah. um, you know, uh, sending of- songs to people and being like I hope that you fuck with it. Please get on it. Yeah. And people did. And you know, it's not just anybody's. We weren't just like throwing this out there to every rapper who exists. This was we worked at getting Bun B on a song that we wanted Bun B on. We well, worked- that's an easy one cuz Bun B is like a friend. Right. But we we worked at getting um, Jazz Cartier on a song that made sense for him. Um, and the same goes for, for everybody that we had. And we think you guys will really fuck with it. We think that there is a space for our music. The sense of humor, um, we think that it, it will definitely translate if you ever read blogs or if you ever if you ever loved rap and you were like, you know, you looked for those friends that you could talk about rap with. Like, that's where we fit in. This is that. You guys will recognize a lot of the tropes that we that we deal with. It's all inside jokes. It's inside jokes. Um, you guys will really fuck with the bars. Let us know what you like. Um, and let us know which song you think is really like the next one up. We have an idea. But we want to hear what you guys think. Go on Spotify this Friday and press play. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. And please, let us know what you think. It'll be on all the streaming services. Yes. So anybody out there who insists you know, that it'll be on Google Play, it will be. Um, and that's Spotify, Google Play. You can download it from iTunes. That's a really cool thing, too. The, the people who have hit us up and said they are pre-ordering it and they show us the receipts because if you pre-order it, you can have it, obviously, and play it at any time and you own it. But also, the higher it gets on the charts, the more exposure it gets to people who may not know about It's The Real. Shouts to Jeff. Shouts to Greg. Shouts to myself. Shouts to you. For putting together something that... uh that is a dream come true. Teddy Bear Fresh is uh, is coming out on We The Best Empire this Friday, May 26th. We had to do something different because we weren't going to just talk about ourselves for an hour and a half for no, this podcast. No, like just we, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, just 10 minutes. We couldn't do an hour and a half. We had to get somebody else to interview us, and we asked uh, Killer Mike to do it. 
And so we flew down to Atlanta this weekend. Top secret mission. And we got some very mid barbecue um, <laughs> down in Atlanta. Atlanta's not known for its barbecue. Yeah. So we, uh, we had some. So, some, some people stuff. out there suggested where to go. Uh, we went to a place. It was it was okay. It was okay. But um, we spent time with Killer Mike and his wife Shay. Yeah, shout at, out to uh, them. Shout out to them for having us at their house because uh, Mike had a leg injury that didn't uh, let him get to the the barbershop that we were supposed to. He, Killer Mike owns a couple of barbershops down in Atlanta. The Graffiti Swag Shop. Shout out to everyone who works there. And uh, there's, I think, two or three locations. Yeah. Soon to be more. Yeah. Go there and get your hair cut. Yeah. But we went to Mike's house. We had a wonderful conversation. I think it goes in a lot of important places. You guys learn stuff about us. Uh, we learn we, stuff about him. We do. And uh, it's, you know, obviously, you know you're going to get funny from it. So it's a really fun conversation. I think it clocks in about an hour and a half, somewhere around there. And he shouts honestly, out our mom. Honestly, the conversation could have gone on for way longer. And, and it we, did. And off, we, off mic. And we look forward to having Mike come up here to talk about his journey. You know, we talk about two chains a lot, and uh, and Mike is <laughs> of a course personal we friend. Do. Yeah. But but no no no. But I, I'm saying on the podcast we talk about two chains. No, a lot. I know. But Mike's got a story that's that's equally as fascinating, and we look forward to having him on the podcast to talk about that story as well. Thanks again to Killer Mike. Thanks to uh, everyone down in Atlanta who showed us that real Southern hospitality. That That is a real thing. That is so real. Shout out to everyone in Atlanta. We'll be back soon. And uh, Can we also say that we hung out with hip-hop? We hung out with hip-hop. We hung out with hip-hop. That's it. <laughs> Shout out to hip-hop. That's our guy. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, again, Teddy Bear Fresh, the album. It's the a real, movement. It's a real album. Yeah, real boy. Uh, is uh, everywhere. May 26th. Go check that out. Waco, the single is out right now. Jeff. When do you want to get into this podcast? Uh, right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Number One with a Bullet, a.k.a. Rod Strickland. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Only One in First Class, a.k.a. Homeschooler. Hey, I'm Killer Mike, and I'm glad to define which one was fucking which. <laughs> yeah, it's a waste of time, but it's real. <laughs> We're down here in Atlanta with Killer Mike. In his house. In his house. In my house. And yeah. this is your podcast from here on out, so... First of all, thank you for doing this. Man, thank Eric and Jeff, thank you guys for coming. My wife is definitely wondering who are the two Jewish men that are loud <laughs> in our kitchen right now. We're here to sell insurance. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Shalom to the tribe worldwide, <laughs> man. I hope everybody's okay out there, man. Um, thanks for coming to my house. We were supposed to do this in my barbershop, interestingly enough, same barbershop where another Jewish friend of mine, Bernie Sanders, was interviewed. Yeah. And Has Bernie been here? No, he hasn't been here yet. So he we're will, you know. we're better, you know, friends than, than Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right now, yeah. yeah. You got you you the you the top the OG. <laughs> yeah. But I'm fat and then people have my wife in particular has been making me work out, so I tricked my knee some kind of way. I, so I gotta go get an MRI in a couple of days. But, but shout out to your barbershop. Yeah, Slack Shop, man, the Shea Wash and Groom Shop. Um we have one in downtown Atlanta, one on South Side. We have one we're building in the West End and we have another surprise one coming this summer. It's gonna shock the shit out of people, so is it in our neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in New York soon. Yeah. We got, we got, we were interviewing hipster barbers as we speak. Yo, I need a good barber. Mine barber sucks. <laughs> you got to come see Natalie down at uh, Natalie or T down at the swag shop. Man. Got you, man. Thank you guys for coming to my home. Just because in the south, when you invite people to your home, it means you trust them. You don't think you have to kill them. So, <laughs> you know, thanks for making a trustworthy list. No, thank you. Thank you for having us. So, you guys are. This is your tenth year in the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like this is I didn't me and like I'm in a group called Run the Jewels for those who don't know I'm one you half are? Run the Jewels. Yeah. <laughs> Today it's Run the Jews. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always let the Jewish people say that. I never tread on <laughs> I um I I took me about ten years to get my footing in rap and kind of and, and kind of like become an overnight sensation and this is you guys' tenth year, so my homie told me you're not a real band because you've been doing it 10 years. How does it feel to be a real band, guys? I just feel old. <laughs> like, don't you? Honestly, I feel more relevant than we've ever been before. I don't know if that's just like the internet or whether that's like people, you know, just know us more now. But it feels good that we're still around because a lot of our contemporaries from 10 years ago aren't. Are out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know how, how fast the internet moves. This It just feels like nice. And especially like... In a career like ours, where we've done a whole bunch of different things, we had, we didn't just stick to one thing. We could have been doing sketches for our whole career, yeah. yeah. But we didn't want to. We didn't want to be stuck in that in that niche, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's always better when you voluntarily quit a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We wanted to burn every bridge on our way out. So, so who loved rap first? Uh, Eric, because he's older. <laughs> That's not like a sellout move. Like you, you, you liked it first. I actually did. Um, what, what, what year? Who was it? Oh, was I mean, rock? look, it was 1975. <laughs> yeah, know, he was right? there for cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we had a meeting once at BET. BET called us in for a meeting in like 2010. Maybe? Yeah. Because they, you know, we were doing our sketches, and they were like really interested in bringing us in to see maybe if there was a possibility of us working together. Work, yeah, yeah BET, which yeah, is crazy. I know. First of all, like we walked in, and all these interns were like, "It's the reels here," and we're like, "Because oh. our, our our sketches were like popping at the time." Yeah, and the woman that we met with, who was like head of development at the time, said, "Why do you think you're allowed to comment on my culture?" And we were like, "Well." Good starting question. Like, uh, oh, wow. and what we should have said was like, we've worked with, you know, these number of people. We're a part of the everyday culture. Yeah, we do our homework. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, just like, this is like a great way to make money or something. You but, know? but instead, I said, oh, well, you know, we've been listening to rap since uh, Arrested Development. And she goes, I love that show. And we were like, I also love that show. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the, the band. Yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking, I would have said to any BT executive that wasn't one of the interns that knew you, yes. who the fuck said hip hop is BT's culture? <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, no disrespect. Right. Like, but like, BT, when rap first kind of broke, BT didn't give a fuck about rap. Right. BT gave a damn about my mama's gospel yes. and R&B. Shouts out to Donnie Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it's amazing me how, like, people just assume just because they're black, it's their culture. Yeah, yeah, which it is. You know, it's a, it comes out of that. But hip hop's really born out of a culture of poor kids in the Bronx. Yeah, of many different. You know, primarily black, but you know, the Spanish kids are there, the poor white kids are there. So they're culturally, I think it's. I think you guys could have asserted that we're from New York, bitch. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> we, we did not get the job. Yeah. That's a shame. BT's lost, man. No, it's all good. But here we are 10 years later. When did I start listening to hip-hop? You know, I mean, the truth is probably MC Hammer, like, back then, thank you know? You for, look, thank you for that truth. And it, it that that meant something to me back then. And One of the greatest compliments I ever got. Yeah. David Letterman, and the next day on Twitter, MC Hammer complimented me as a performer. That's awesome. I could have cried like a bitch. <laughs> because if you've ever seen a Hammer show, it's easy to understand why people liked Hammer. He yeah. Does, yeah. You know, and then, I, you know, you, I was a teenager when Hammer was out, and people were front, like, oh, me just fucking MC Hammer. <laughs> and then you get in the car and just fucking jack. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's um, entertaining. Our our mutual friend Nick Catch Doves from Fool's Gold yeah. uh, has this theory that everything you know comes in twenty year cycles. Yes, and we're sort of in that like period now where like. I mean, obviously, like, Rick Ross had the MC Hammer song, but, like, MC Hammer, like, and that whole, like, vibe should be coming back, right? I feel like it already came back. Yeah? Yeah, didn't it? <laughs> Hammer's right. come back a few times under a few different inclinations. Not black, though. Like, New Kids on the Block, right. two of this Hammer, right. bite. Yeah. You know what I yep. mean? Any boy band post-96 took elements of Hammer. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, like it's, you can't get those dance moves just from Janet <laughs> and Mike. Those are some Hammer well, moves. Well, wasn't it, like, that. New Edition? New Edition? Yeah. N- new Edition was the shit, but that's not who they modeled themselves at. They didn't dance as good as New Edition. They were like, Hammer was ill with the cho- choreographed dance. New Edition was good at choreography and just doing some slick street shit you didn't even yeah. expect. But both are, are equally. This is my little Hammer. It's my son, Pony. What's what happening? Go back to your room. <laughs> no one wants to see children right now. This would have not happened if we did it at the barbershop right here. Nah, so. nah, we would have been battling junkies right now and shit. You know what I mean? You know, we, my barbershop's in one of those areas that's like half hipster, half the people who used to live there. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's like hipsters and vagrants, you know what I'm saying? That are just, just like Boca Raton. Shout <laughs> Shots out to Florida. But yeah, man, Hammer doesn't get the credit he deserves. Like, Hammer is part of the reason Atlanta is lit as fuck now. Is that right? Yeah, Hammer and Dion were very good friends, Dion Sanders. Mm-hmm. So Hammer, is, you know, and if you're black with money, there's no better place in the world to party than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Because bottles are a third of the price they are other places. Parking is still relatively cheap. And the cops don't kill you because you're driving a Bentley. You right. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Atlanta's been that. So Dion Sanders, Dominique Wilkins... And um, MC Hammer used to set this bitch off, like, before BMF. You know, people always say, oh, BMF turned Atlanta yeah, up. Yeah. They turned Atlanta up for your generation. <laughs> right. In my generation, we had goddamn MC Hammer, Deion Sanders, Dominique Wilkins, MC Breed, and Tupac, and yeah. Too Short yeah. running around this motherfucker doing rich nigga shit. <laughs> and it was amazing as a teenager to see, like, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, and a fucking Tesla, I mean, a Porsche back-to-back, and then, like, all your favorite heroes. And, yeah. You know, and Dion even owned the club, even though he didn't drink or smoke. But shouts out to Hammer, man! Thank you for making Atlanta exciting. Yeah, right. But and, yeah, and we thank gr- you, Eric, for listening. It was it was my pleasure. I'm glad yeah. that I was the one. So, yeah. so after <laughs> Hammer, when did you get to that as a hip hop? If I was Joe Buttons, when you start listening to real, <laughs> to real shit? No, you want you want to know what changed my life? Jay Z changed my life. Like Jay Z changed my life. First or second album. Uh, his first album and his second album and and honestly, like all the albums, it, yeah. it, he did the soundtrack to my life. Like and didn't it? So you were a drug seller. No, no, no. But like, no, Eric just wore a fedora. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Like the wordplay and the stories and the realness of his reality was everything to me. I was like, it was eye opening. At points, Jay feels more like a Tony Robbins speech. Not and not like in a way that it's plain, it's simple, but Mm -hmm. it's fucking eye opening. And his testimonials are some of the best stories. Even though they're personally his stories, it makes him one of the best storytellers. First Jay-Z song I heard was um, the one with Alicia Keys. And <laughs> yeah. it, made me, it made me move to New York City. <laughs> I saw all the bright lights. Empire State of Mind. But And then, you know, you just, you 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 see him with, and at the time, they really were best friends with Dame and Biggs oh, and all of them. And that meant everything, too. And then they put on state property. and Don't make me cry. <laughs> No, seriously, man. That was a time. That was that a magic was. time. It was an amazing man. time. And and also, like, you know, Biggie was a big thing for us, too. Like, yeah. you know. The, Biggie was a big thing. Understatement. Yeah. It, yeah. It was. He was everything. Yeah. I feel like I honestly, the first 
Jay Z song I really did love was the one with Foxy Brown. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like waiting for that on uh, on MTV Jam. So I know who likes commercial radio. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't around for reasonable doubt. Are you kidding? The old school brother is like, yo, I'm down with this shit off the fucking meter. You just like. I caught that shit on MTV. Yeah, <laughs> I would request it. I would. I would call That's it by the Dallas. Sunshine record, right? No, no I did nah. like Sunshine. Okay. Uh, the video. I like Sunshine too for people who hate. Yeah. Everybody hates but it. But you're talking about the um, one with him and Fox were. Um, yeah, the one where she talks about uh, drive all night like a trucker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Her sex drive all night like a trucker. Yo, Fox. God bless her. No dis. Like this is just. Can you just see three hip hop fans talking? So I don't want people to think yo, you gotta. <laughs> Try to make a diss record on Killer Mike. <laughs> Fox got away with saying a lot of shit that made no sense at times, but it sounded so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck. Like her numbers on the yo add a key. Did, uh, you remember that little yeah, spiel or yeah. whatever? That might have been on a Nas record. But I just I sold drugs, and I'm just like that makes no fucking <laughs> sense. Like maybe she's using New York lingo, but I didn't give a fuck because she was dark skinned, beautiful, yeah, had great tits and a husky voice. Yes, just like yeah. Fox. <laughs> what she said. Did you take sides, Foxy versus Lil' Kim? Did I take sides? Mm-hmm. Fox, there's no side to take. Kim, <laughs> Kim had Biggie right for her. And yeah. Fox was the shit, but, you know, Biggie's just Biggie. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Fox had the image and she had the slickness in the voice, but the shit that Kim had was just like hardcore as an album is a classic hip hop album. Correct. Yep. And to me, unless you as a female rapper or any rapper surpass that one body of work, it can't. It really ain't. Have you heard thing. China Girl? <laughs> <laughs> we um, Broken Silence. I feel like I, I I bought Broken Silence. We were we were uh, we grew up thirty minutes north in New York City, right? So Where'd just you in a town called Harrison, okay. which is just like north of like Yonkers. So like, oh, okay. we have the yeah, same yeah. area code as like Jada Kiss and the all them. Same upbringing as, That's as right. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so you could technically say you got down to the Bronx every now and again. Yeah, and yeah, oh no, well yeah. we, we actually did. Yeah, but like every time that Lil Kim would say like uh, speed down the Hutch seven fifty to Lock. We were like, ah, oh, the, the hutch. hutch. That's <laughs> We felt like the, I can remember the first time we saw Fife and Q-Tip wearing Atlanta things. Like, I think um, Q-Tip or Fife was in the Georgia Tech jersey, mm-hmm. and they wore one of them wore the fucking Atlanta Braves cap. Yeah, <laughs> it, was just like, it was just that was it for me. I was like, this is my favorite fucking group. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? It is tribe for life for yeah. me. If you weren't from New York City at one point, you were just an outsider. You know, and, and not in the you know, not in the most terrible of ways, but you still were an outsider. So you guys still kinda I feel like you're I've always wondered why you appreciated hip hop so much because I assumed you from the city, but now I see why though. You're close enough to see it, but far enough to appreciate it. And also like the Illuminati pays us very well to uh, <laughs> all the goat sacrifices. Well, well yeah. I'm an underground rapper, but you can see they've been pretty good to me too. <laughs> I don't know. I bought Monster, like you were you were on the whole world. Monster everybody's happy. <laughs> no, but and you know what else? We grew up like reading the Source magazine, reading Double XL magazine, um, reading Vibe magazine, and studying the booklets that came with like real physical CDs that we would wait and buy. Can I tell you that I waited and waited and waited? I went to Borders Books like all the time. Went to Sam Goody. I wanted that Swiss Beats, that first Swiss Beats album. You want with the painting? The one with the painting, yeah. Yes, and yes, it's yes. him, like, you know, sort of, like, DJing on the front. And, yes. Uh, I waited for that album forever. I would wait for the nerd album, In Search Of, yeah. every single week. 
but we wanted those physical copies. We wanted those CDs in our books, and we wanted to like bump those in our cars. And yeah. and we read through those booklets to find out like who made what, who engineered what, who was part of the team, who was the A and R, and all this stuff. And to be around this business now, and to know like the different players, whether it's an independent label like you know Fool's Gold, or whether it's a giant label like Atlantic, like we know all the players and appreciate their history, and that's why like yeah, like we fanned out on DJ Enough the first time we met him. Oh yeah, like yeah. and that's probably the first time it's ever happened to DJ Enough. Like that, <laughs> no. like 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 you know him being like yo like really like stop <laughs> like you you guys are making me uncomfortable. Um, and now we're friends with them, and like which you know, is the craziest thing. Like everybody who 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 was on Hot ninety seven, like we we just um, yeah we recently had them. We recently had Casey on the podcast, yeah, and that's somebody who was like there the drama from day king. one, yeah, the drama king. Like, He's in the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the first people in New York to fuck with people like me, Ti, um, him and Bun. He was the first person that you know at, at a certain point. Um, there were there were these imaginary regional lines in hip hop, which were good for music in terms of making regional music, but they were bad for um, elitism in music. And at one point, you know, when we first started going to New York, two thousand what one, two, and three, it was kind of like in the middle of crunk. They were looking at us the same way they look at kids who wear tight clothes now, talking shit that ain't rap. K. Slade was one of the first people to be like, "Yo, you motherfucking rap? You come drop freestyle." And people like me and Tiffany, he was um he was an early supporter, uh, and like he big upped. Our OGs like Bun, Pimp, Face, and shit. So, I he really taught me that there's the 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 New York mind state of we're the shit because we're currently dropping the shit, and the New York mind state of no, we just started all this shit, but this shit went everywhere, yeah. and we respect it wherever it goes as long as it holds to these principles. I've always respected. I've always felt lucky to be a friend of Slay for sure, because you don't want to be on the wrong side of drama. <laughs> no. <can't>. no. <laughs> That old man will slap the shit out of you. Yeah. He really will. Yeah, for real. Yeah, like, yeah. Like he's an OG, but he's still a goddamn. You still a fuck around and come out to be like fifty year old goons waiting on you and shit. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got nothing to lose. We have this new album that's coming out on yeah. on Friday. It's called Teddy Bear Fresh, and it has everyone from Currency to Smoke Dizza and to Bun to um, Michael Christmas, Tunji Ige, right? Yeah. Jazz Cartier, a whole bunch of people on there. And one of the songs that we did is called Blue Cross Blue Shield. That song is all about how we vow to stay independent till we die, unless the label gives us health insurance. We have had opportunities to link up with labels. What was your best label meeting story? My my best? Yes. Yeah. The one where we formed our own label. Um, has run the Jules Records and partnered with the distributor and put it out because I know at the end of the year I'm going to get a shitload of money and not have to split it with anybody but L. And that's pretty cool. But my funniest, I guess, <laughs> most absurd label meeting was where Sylvia Rome came down to listen to Outcast acts to see what was going on. And, of course, you know, me making a record like Monster. Monster was my attempt to do... Lyrically, I grew up loving East Coast music. I grew up loving all rap music, but I had... I love East Coast music. You know, I love motherfuckers that could rap. Um, so I tried to make a record that was representative of Southern lyricism and push it forward. You know, some people say, oh, man, it's a classic. I love some people say it missed the mark. My thing is, this is my first record. I liked it a lot, but I knew I was going to get better, and I just wanted the time. Sylvia, I'll never forget. God bless her soul, her slim little soul. And <laughs> she heard a record um, by the crowd pleasers who were outcast background dancers, and they were hell of a entertainers themselves. Dance culture is big in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. The yeet culture and that type thing. Yeah. In fact, I got a yeek award over there. <laughs> but... Um, 
They got they they had a record. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I got a real good girl. And it was just it was it was uh, it was a typical dope dance record. Just to be honest, and I don't mean typical in a bad way. Just like you know, in Atlanta, you can find 150 of those records anytime you want to. This motherfucker <laughs> went crazy when she heard that record. <laughs> she started leaning over the desk and just, oh, this is the future. <laughs> this is what's it. And, you know, the crowd pleases the great guys. I love them. Like, brother, still, at the time, they were 35. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, it was just like, this is my career. <laughs> going, down the, going down the hole, as we speak, and I'm losing it to a dance record. You know what I mean? And um, I walked out of that meeting like, oh, well, Michael, back to selling cocaine. <laughs> and I was I was just brutally sad. And what it caused, though, is for me to get really angry and just go on a tirade, not at them, but just at a system that valued um, commercial radio presence over a full body of art. I love Jay-Z for the same reason you love Jay-Z. I love Jay-Z for the album, you yeah. know, the whole. And I think that most fans um, – that really become diehard fans of people buy into the whole thing. Like, if you're a little Yachty fan, you buy into Yachty the concept. So you don't hear old people tell you what the fuck they think of a song. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And so I, I just I felt like I was trying to present a piece of work to get people to just kind of, okay, this is it. Bun called me and said, you know, Mike, you're a little too advanced to be a rookie, and people are going to not like you for that. They're going to say, what gives him the right to say shit like rap is dead? And then you said, I was listening to Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. <everybody> said, <laughs> exactly. I, exactly. I've been jamming this motherfucking Arrested <laughs> Development all day. I love that show. <laughs> That's what all the kids said. But um, that that day was a, a hell of a day because a guy who, at the time, me and Black on C-Bone, shouts out to him in Dope Stories. His, his, um, his web series is going to come out. But we were like... Not enemies, but we were. He was Big's homie and had been waiting his turn. And I just kind of came in and kind of didn't even realize my career kind of was doing the same to them. And we were like bitter rivals at the time, but that's who I rode home with. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> just yeah. looking fucking nuts. And he was just like, fat boy, don't worry. It's going to be all right. <laughs> and it, it ended up being okay. But that's where I learned that certain record companies only want radio. Certain record companies are in the, And I just learned I didn't fit with that system, and that was fine. And it matured me quick enough so that when I did leave, um, quote-unquote, leave Equimini, which really wasn't about leaving Big and Dre or their company. It was mm-hmm. about leaving any association with a major label and went into making the Pledge series. Mm-hmm. It was just like, fuck it. I just do what I want, and I became a better artist because of that. But that probably was the record company story of just like it changed my life and you know what that was before being independent was cool oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah like yeah, yeah. now no because people used to shit on like people who went independent it'd yeah. be like oh you can't get a major record deal you're poor now you? yeah <laughs> yeah that right. was it it was right. just looked at it like oh you're poor and yeah obviously sitting in your home you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see that yeah yeah <laughs> If you want to send any um, GoFundMe, um, we're, we're setting up a page for Mike. I have a typical middle class dad. <laughs> but it's With so gate. But it's yeah. so funny. like father, right? What, what was oh awful records? Like those kids, like were like some of the first to really like you know make independent. Well, to make SoundCloud. Hell, hell, I mean, it's beyond my yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. 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 He did a hell of a job. Yeah. Man. And I, I was a big, I was a big fan of when I say big fan of East Coast music. I don't mean I just liked everything coming out, but I was a big fan of hard shit from East. So I was a fan of Mob Deep and what mm-hmm. Loud Records was doing. Right. You know, I was a fan of Gangstar Foundation and what Prem and Google. I, I wanted to make, 
you know, music that I thought was ill. And it's just, you know, you find your place to do it. But so back, why do you make the music you make now? <laughs> I mean, we make, the, uh, we make the, you know, we make what we think is dope and people, more people seem to like it. But that's yeah, the 20-year yeah. cycle thing. Like, yeah. you know, my son who's 22, my oldest son, not the one who's still here eating off my money. <laughs> um, he, he, he wanted AZ's Dope Door Die album for yeah. his last birthday. That's what he got. You know what I mean? And shouts out, man. There's been so many. I missed a feature on you guys' album. I missed a feature on Jay's, um, AZ's album. I missed a few features in the last couple of years because we've been running so You've much. You've been a little touring. busy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, um, but listen, like we'll push our album back if you want to send that, that verse in. Listen, yeah, we're putting it out. It's not too late. <laughs> I'm going. I'm finishing one for Chuck English at some point in the next few days. So if it, it could happen, <laughs> who knows, man? I love drugs. Shout out, <laughs> shout, shout out to Chuck English. We saw the cool kids down at um, South by Southwest. South by, and hey, he just a cool mother. Fuck each other in my barbershop too. Yeah? Yeah. Any, and in fact, any of you bastards that come to New York or come from down from New York, make sure the swag shop's one of your shops. Get a haircut, get a shave. Yeah, yeah. Get treated nice. I Don't love get getting treated warm. nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. Getting treated nice is my favorite thing. Well, let me ask you, why do you guys rock so radically different haircuts? Um, well, my hair doesn't grow like Eric's. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you know, maybe if, if I was. <laughs> do you like have a the little, same father? We do. Oh, we do. Okay, wait, that makes wait a sense minute. if you're talking to Black Brothers. <laughs> that question, if you're talking to Black Brothers, that question would make sense. You know what I mean? I have a twin brother. Eric is a regular brother who has like a, a haircut that's a hairstyle that's like oh, so there's in between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has so a real job. Uh, word. Yeah. yeah. So how about that? Ten years of dealing with like our brother's major success as like a you know suit. You know, working in he worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers, worked for New York Yankees, worked for Madison Square Garden, works for the NFL. He's now. a real good Jewish boy. He, well, <laughs> you guys want to fuck around, fraternize, and rap and shit. Yeah. Ten Thanksgivings of just like, <laughs> like what do you, what do you do? We, we were just talking to a guy on our podcast, um, which is it's going to come out in a couple weeks or whatever. But he was talking about how easy it is to become a banker, and I was like, "Yo, shut the fuck up!" Like our mom is going to hear this and like be like furious that we took the last ten years and did this stupid thing. Yeah, I put up this. I, I, I found this Facebook post from 10 years ago that like announced that we were starting It's The Real, right? Okay. And I put that, I took a screenshot of it and I put it on Instagram and I put it on Facebook and people find so much inspiration from the fact that we just decided to like, and this, we didn't, there was no like money in YouTube 10 years ago. There was no money like in anything that we were doing. Call ourselves hip hop sketch comedians. What is that, right? And here we are 10 years later having taken that like leap of faith and stuck to it, even though it's... But we also came around at a time like when it was, and it's it's crazy to think, but like in 2007, still it was still crazy that white kids were listening to rap. Like we we put out the first video we ever put out uh, was called "Deconstructing Biggie," where we took the line "Your mag's my style, you're admiring, don't be mad." UPS is hiring. Looked at it from the UPS driver's perspective, who hated it, and the DHL and the FedEx guys thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Second video was we threw an early retirement party for Lloyd Banks. Right, Lloyd Banks was yeah, Lloyd Banks was not popping at the time, and he. Uh, you know, we threw him a retirement party in a sad conference room with sad streamers, and like we had a cake with his face on it, yeah. and and that got put up on Not Right, and all the comments were just like, "Who are these guys? Were they hired by the, uh, the game to go at G Unit? Were they hired by <laughs> Were they hired by a uh, Cameron to go at G Unit? Like yeah. it was like." Everybody had like a conspiracy theory as to who we were. And meanwhile, it's just like us two, like in our parents, you know. Because we loved it so much and knew like what was going on in the business and, and wanted to like put a fresh take on it. And yeah. That people, video. People were shocked though. They were like, who are these white boys? It's just a part of our lives. And you can't explain that, by the way, to your parents. You can't be like, well, so Lloyd Banks, you know, <laughs> isn't selling many records on his second album. But. Right. Know. They were more of a scratch magazine crowd. 
Yo, what do you miss the hip hop magazine? I bought Honestly, when we we got an email from Elliot Wilson in two thousand and like seven or eight. Um his wife was aware of us, Danielle Smith. Yeah, shout out to her. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, most definitely. She well, was she was the first talented person, fucking writer. So, oh my god! Jesus yeah, yeah. She um she was the first person to really 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 believe in us. Um and then uh, Elliot got in touch with us. When a black woman believes in you, you're gonna be somebody. So she was working at Vibe at the time, right? And again, we're we're two kids who love like everything that's going on and want to be a part of it. Want to be like on the inside and go to events and like meet our heroes and all that. And when she gave us a cosign and wanted to bring us into Vibe, we were like. Like life is changing right now. Come on, man. Life didn't change then. You know, yeah, it took well, a while. Because, yeah. It takes a while. Black women believed in this other Jewish guy's name was Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> worked out really well for him. Well, except so, for you know. the whole. Well, yeah, yeah, died, yeah. That was more of you know. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> guys' fault. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of the black side, yeah. that nigga's golden. <laughs> you know what I mean? He ain't taking no L's over here. <laughs> Anything can happen. Like, goddamn, you can win from hundred years of hard work. It's like, wait, wait. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what do you think about Jesus' shoe game? Oh, it was whack. <laughs> Nigga could have stepped it up and had at least some fucking big baller bars. Yeah, yeah. Get those. Whatever. Uh, get those, fuck those Yeah, get those flip flops. Yo, why are people so mad at fucking Lavar's dad or whoever's the dad? Is the dad Lavar or the son? The dad is Lavar. Why are people mad at Lavar, man? Like, think about it. We're all yeah. And yeah. what the narrative in America is that black de- dads leave their kids. Right. I've been trying for years. Right? <laughs> well, motherfuckers upstairs now, right? But then you get a dad that's like like the obnoxious white sports dads from the eighties. Remember baseball dads from the eighties yeah, when everybody sure. thought that fucking kid was gonna be fucking McGuire and shit. Yeah, right? yeah. just so, coming full of steroids. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got one of those kids. You got one, and everybody's mad about a shoe that is this ugly. And first of all, Kobe's my favorite player ever. Mm-hmm. It's as ugly as the goddamn Kobe <laughs> and the Kevin Durant. And we're mad that this guy's slanging out hustling, but yet we celebrated Patrick Ewing who left Adidas. Like fuck it, I'll start my own. Shoe, dope shoe. By the way, shout out to Two Chains and yeah, you know, shout out yeah. to Two Chains with <laughs> yeah. the Louis Vuitton um yeah. fucking patch on the yeah. now my wife can wear a Louis, I can wear some pants. But, <laughs> but man, why 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 do you think that is? Well, I don't know if you heard, but but America's racist. This is a big uh, big exclusive on our podcast. <laughs> like it's it's like if Kanye wasn't as talented as Kanye is, right? Yeah. Like people shit on Wale for being the same way. Yeah. Even though Wale. To, to many or to some maybe not as many as Kanye is uh, as as good and as proud of himself as he is right yeah. for Wale's Nigerian too yes yeah so I, it's kind of like if you're Nigerian that's you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like Nigerian well, are the proudest people in the fucking world well you're yeah. talking to two Naija brothers yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know people want um, LeVar Bell to to you know be as good as, as his dad says he is, right? Yeah. Lonzo Bell. Lonzo Bell. Lonzo I, Bell yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't follow basketball like I should, so yeah. You anyway. just follow shoes like you should, right? I follow, follow like boys. Twitter as I should. Hey, man. I, I'm just saying, I fuck with you, dad. <laughs> I hope your son does what the fuck he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If not, they're going to laugh at you, my nigga. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, those shoes are ugly. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you about y'all's parents. Yeah. 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 What do they do? Who are they? Um, um, so our dad passed away a few years ago. God yeah. bless the dad. Yeah. Um, he... Uh, 
He was a company man. He okay. uh, he worked for IBM and Citibank, and he was a guy who um, his parents sort of like forced him into that that lane of like physics and you know going to Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Which he like, never visited, and then soon hated. Yeah, as soon as he so got there, his parents forced him into education. Well, that specific part of education, honestly, like, like yeah, physics and math and all that. Make money. I think they probably thought that, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and our dad... Because our grandfather had worked for NASA. Yeah. And okay. so, like, you know, it was basically, like, I want you to, 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 to do something that's as good as me, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. And, um, and he, he loved the arts. Uh, he just, you know, he loved going to museums. He loved listening to music. He just, he didn't want that, like, physics life, right? Gotcha. But, but he knew that that was a job. And then yeah. when he started raising us and our brother Dan... It was a it was a nine to five behind a computer screen, like you know, for his his whole life. And I, there was a point when he did try to start his own company, yeah. right? And it didn't really work out. And he went back to IBM or Citibank, one of the two. And then um, our mom was a uh, magazine editor. Yeah, she worked for uh, all Ladies the women's Home's magazines Journal. in like the seventies. So yeah, she Family was Circle. For, yeah, those. And then she became like an editor, um, which was a big deal because um, they didn't make lady editors in the yeah, 70s yeah, yeah and so um then she had eric and i cost her her career yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no like, but, like literally like she she left on maternity leave and then came back um and there was a woman sitting at her desk yeah yeah and her father was a lawyer and was like we might want to like you know take this to court and everything but it, it it ended up where you know she devoted her time to us and raising us which is the best job yeah and and then uh, she did some nursery school teaching, but always uh, they were both very supportive of us. However, whatever career we were gonna take, right? Gotcha. There were a lot of screaming matches after college, you know, and, and when For I you. came home, yeah. yeah, where it was like, oh, like just get a temp job, get this job, go to grad school, do something. But you were also like acting crazy, like you were, you were, you wanted to be a feature film writer and director. I did, I did. And so, what would you do to to make that happen? <laughs> I graduated college. Uh, what school? I, I went to Syracuse University. Okay. Had a degree in uh, filmmaking and a minor in drama. You right? did like a black kid. <laughs> <laughs> I came home and I was like, I'm going to write a script right now, right? For the, so for the whole summer following college, I would run to Rye Playland, which is like the big amusement park, right on the beach, like by where we lived. Probably like, you know, two or three miles away. Right. I would run. Like, I never ran in my life. I ran. I stuffed like paper in my, in my running shorts and a pen ran down there wrote and then when i got um hungry, hungry i would, would come run back. you know two and a half miles back home did that for a whole summer and by the way you're a father what would you do if your kids did that i would i would probably yeah nail the shit out of them with a chest punch <laughs> and at some point we definitely would be having an intervention at the table the counselor like oh. this motherfucker's on drugs there were so <laughs> there were so many screaming matches and and i did take temp jobs i worked some shitty temp jobs um, until, you know, by the time Jeff graduated college, you know, we, we linked up and so decided but, to work on, together. So, Jeff, you got, you got two, you got Jeff and, yeah, and the twin. Yeah, Dan. So, you got Jeff and Dan. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Jeff and Dan. Yeah, and Dan hey, is in the Midwest at this time. So, Dan's in the Midwest. So, yeah. and, and are you showing signs of fucking insanity like your brother yet? <laughs> are no. You, are you playing this shit like your parents are already <laughs> fucked up on that nigga? I'm going to just play this shit like I'm cool <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the academics and shit. Were you I, playing that role? Uh, I was, I would say, so I went to Boston University. Gotcha. Um, but I didn't really go to class. 
Um, oh, so you got high. <laughs> no, I, that Hung would out. probably be more interesting. I just ate lunch like three times a day um, with like friends. I would just like keep running into people I knew and I would just like hang out in the student union. Just oh, so forever. you probably could have sold his script. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all that yeah, happens you in know, LA. I'm, I'm like an agent talk, you know. <laughs> but so I, um, and I, I had no idea what I really wanted to do out of college. Eric had a. a, a what were you majoring? A, uh, American studies. Oh, so Which at least is, you could have been a teacher. I, is that I, that? Know, I don't know what you knew what that, that was. Yeah, man, like, says you go teach fucking high school. You're the one cool Jewish fucking high school. <laughs> right, guy. I'm like the one that goes. Yeah, all the black kids assume you white. Tree. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff rolls up wearing his like uh, Lonzo Ball shoes and, and yeah, some shit. Yeah. Exactly. And the black kids are like, no, no, he ain't really white. He Jewish. He cool. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, he ain't like them other folk, man. I'm telling you, he ain't no racist. <laughs> so, but so I would, I would, um, I would write all my papers on hip hop, and I was just like, I guess I want to write for Rolling Stone. And um, or double XL or whatever. So Everyone. where's Dan now? Uh, Dan was working for the Cleveland Cavaliers, being responsible. Yeah, being responsible. Yeah, Dan working girlfriend. his way up in sales. Uh, uh, he had one. Yeah, he had one. He was responsible with that too. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Dan came back to New York, worked for the Yankees, Mad Square Garden, and now works for the NFL. Now, by the way, so we grew up loving hip hop, right? Okay. We took car trips with our parents to go see our grandparents and all that. We're in the back with our Walkman on, listening to like rap on like crazy like you know volume levels. Gotcha. Our parents never got that aspect of it. We would try to play them Beanie Siegel records and they were just like, come on, like what? What do you, what? We don't understand. They're like the Beanie Siegel and Eve joint. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did. And so we, um, only, only when I graduated college and, and I was like, you know what? Scripts, you know, I, I tried to sell the scripts. They didn't sell, right? I had meetings with like Barry Diller. I had meetings with like United Artists, Fox Animation. I would pitch these places because we're stubborn people, we're focused people, Absolutely. and and we're just going to like knock down the doors. And we're going to get into the highest levels because we're going to skip the gatekeepers. Yeah. But the scripts were not selling. And there's probably a good reason why they weren't selling. They weren't good scripts, right? Gotcha. I just didn't live any life at that point, honestly. Like I, I was. I was about to say to be writing full feature so young. Like, no, what did I know? I was writing about high school stuff. Like gotcha. the stuff, if I read it Eric now, had the vision. No. <laughs> but mom and dad's opinion on rap changed when... Um, I I was like, you know what? I'd rather work for... I'd rather be like a big fish in a small pond and work for um, someone who has a small film company. And in reading all those rap magazines, I knew that Kanye West, this up-and-coming producer, had a film company out of Chicago called Hustle Film with John Monopoly and Don C. And I was like, I want to work for those guys. And this is 2003? Yeah. So our brother Dan comes home from from college on spring break or something. His first spring break. And uh, Dan, his uh, friend from college, and I went down to uh, Asbury Asbury Park, Park, New Jersey, where uh, Bruce Springsteen's from, right? Gotcha. And Kanye was performing there with John Stevens. You know, John John Legend. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. He was John Stevens. Uh, Don C was uh, DJ DJ Offbeat, Offbeat, right? The push button DJ. Wow. Uh, Lil Brother was opening up for them. Uh, Quali. Uh, was there and uh, Consequence in GLC. Shout out to Cons. Yeah. Like, we saw Consequence the other day at, uh, at SOBs. At GL, yeah. Yeah. So um, we waited outside. I mean, we saw the concert. We're just like, this guy's everything. Like, And by the way, he changed my life. He changed my life in a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. But his music changed my life. And then we waited outside to meet them afterwards at their tour bus. And I, you know, talked to everyone and connected with Don C. And Don C was like, Let's stay in touch. You got to talk to John Monopoly and let's all, you know, do something together. So um, over the next year, we would meet up in different cities and and talk about different projects. And eventually, 
Don C uh, hit me up right before Kanye's first Grammys and asked me to come document them 24-7. So I went to L.A. and was with the biggest artist during his biggest week, right? Yeah. 24-7 with all of them who treated me like family, like happy and all the real like street Chicago guys who were rolling yeah. with him back then brought me in close and treated me like family like a kid from 30 minutes north of new york city who with a camera who they didn't you know need to protect or do anything for i was with them and part of their crew and everyone everyone there looked out for me 88 keys um john monopoly don c a track um all those guys from back then uh after going to every party going to every function going to every speech and dressing and and you know grammy after party and seeing what like life was like yeah on that level i went to you know clive davis's party i was just like what am i doing like common and i got stuck outside there like yeah the last night i rode up an elevator that looked outside it was one of those glass elevators uh up my hotel that was on uh i think it was on hollywood boulevard or on sunset or something I looked over the city and i was like it was like four in the morning i was by myself in my suit with my with my camera bag and I just had the I had the greatest week ever, and I threw up the rock to uh, <laughs> to nobody, but to, to nobody, the entire city. To the entire city. Yeah, it was just me, just me, and <laughs> that it was the saddest thing, but the greatest thing. Came back from that, and my parents were like, "We see what it is. We we understand Kanye, especially when he did um, Hey Mama." Yeah, Our mom, mom loved was that. Like, oh well, this is yeah. the greatest person on the face of the earth. I'm with it, and they saw the vision, and then they gave us some leeway. With our creative sort of endeavors, Does we include free money or rent. Or no, well, no. well, no. I guess rent technically because we lived with them for probably like what like a three, year or, or so, and yeah. then and then we moved to New York City on our own okay. to to make it. But um, but yeah, like it, it was less yelling. It was less like it was more. They knew that we we had some sort of vision and that we could make something happen. That's yeah. dope. It, you know what's really dope is... Wait, did you hear the part where Eric threw up the, the rock? <laughs> That's not dope. Well, no, that is kind of dope. <laughs> Especially since he's a Jay-Z fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yo, I was, with, I was at a party with him and Ludacris and Kanye and Magic John. I mean, just the list went on and on. Prince, and I was, Larry King. I was just like, this is, this is insane. <laughs> like, this is a weird dream I'm having, you know? You, you guys know Emmanuel from Rockefeller? We sure yeah. do. Manny, Manny. Manny. Manny introduced me to Kanye. She had him come down and bring beats. And he and I had an impromptu rap battle for like 20 minutes. And at the end of the rap battle, you know, we just going bar for bars. You're not really battling, just letting motherfucker know I can rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, he's trying to show the world he can rap too. And at the end of the rap battle, he called his cousin to bring better beats because the first shitty bar was bullshit. Wow. <laughs> not, a, not not like in a bullshit, but it's kind of like, nigga, you Kanye West. Like, he didn't realize <laughs> I really was a nerd ass you know, I'm a booklet reader. I'm a fucking hip hop listener. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm a, at that point, I'm such a big No ID fucking fan. The fact he even knew No ID. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I was yeah. really trying to meet him to meet yeah. No ID. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he ended up bringing um, a record that was dope. It was a sample, You Can't Stop Me in the World, Can't Stop Me. So, shouts out to Yeezy. Oh, my but God. But I say all that just to say for kids who are listening, you know, the ultimate thing is fucking persistence is what yeah. I'm hearing. You know what I mean? Because the reason I asked about it, your parents still supporting is a lot of people they use as the excuse. Oh, I can't do it. They, their parents had their back or somebody underwrote that. But you guys just sound like you were willing to suffer. Oh, yeah. Like, fuck it. I'll, I'll be the guy that sleeps in the fucking van if I have to. But I know that this weekend, too, is important. And I, I think a lot of times we don't. Like, I got a record deal. Because I was willing to fucking not leave the studio. Like, Big Boy and Dre 
and the Dungeon family. Again, I use BMF as a marker because culturally that's our marker because everyone can see it. Mm -hmm. Prior to BMF, you know what I mean? Prior to that launch of 40, 50 guys all spending $1,000 in the club together, what you had was rap crews doing that shit. But in Atlanta, there was a special mix of the, here at strip clubs aren't these just plagiars or perversion. You throw money because you don't want other men to look at you and think you're the man. They were like you went to school with the dancers. You fucking knew them. It was your homegirl. You're going to dance for them, but you know a real name, Tiffany. <laughs> Dungeon family would march 20, 30 guys into the gentleman's club, and you just have a ball. Athletes would be upstairs, rappers would be downstairs. They get the mix and mingle at the very bottom. All the girls knew each other. What's up? Sugar, honey, white chocolate, all. And man, they were going, and I wanted to go so fucking bad this night. And this night, they had a record in called The Whole World. And I was just like, fuck, I want <laughs> And um, I think me and Slim and a couple of more guys in the studio, and Slim was already more popping. He had already, he, I think his record is out. He's doing actually shows. And Biggs looked at me and said, hey, man. You might want to stay. Put a verse on that. I was like, fuck! I stayed and put a verse on that. I literally slept in the studio, and they came back from the studio a few hours later, heard that verse and big and said it's on it. And it, it just, and that, I just. Whatever happened that, to that record? Yeah, <laughs> I never heard it again. I just, I just say that to tell people, man, just be, be like you were saying, persistent. Like, well, even like, talk about the W Hotel. There was one time in that, in that year where I was staying in touch with, um, with John Monopoly. He was working for Violator, he was working for Epic. Remember, he signed a kid named Dirtbag yeah, over at Dirt Epic? Bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a whole, like, time there where Dirtbag was, was a chubby black kid from Florida or from something. Florida right yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely he had like a, a Timbaland single that was on like the double X yeah. or the triple X, triple X uh, right. soundtrack um, the song is great John Monopoly would go from job to job to job and like give no notice certainly not to me who he knew like you know tangentially sort of, yeah. yeah and so one time he was in New York and I was like yo I know you're here like let's link up I want to you know talk about this project he was trying to have me I'm good thank you uh, I'm offering him weed <laughs> Um, he wanted to uh, John Monopoly wanted to do a documentary on his family they were uh, the Johnson family from Chicago and and so oh the Johnsons are from the hair care correct yeah. mm -hmm. that yeah. is a big fucking deal yeah 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 so, I am also involved in hair care so that really interested you're also a black man yeah. yes 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 um, so we so I was going to link up with him and talk about that <laughs> and he was like alright meet me at the W Hotel and that was it there's a million W Hotels in New York and so I just guessed which one it was and ended up at the right one because I saw Consequence in the lobby. And I'm like, yo, I was like, it's me. Like, do you remember me from waiting outside of the, the bus down at Asbury Park or whatever? I bought two of your mixtapes off of you because you said then I can meet Don C, right? He, <laughs> <laughs> he's persistent too. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I went up. He was like, oh, yeah, come see, see John upstairs. Went upstairs and in there were GLC and A-Track and, and – uh, and happy and and a whole bunch of guys so i was like oh what's up and finally like tracked down john monopoly but yeah we're the kings of persistence yeah and of emailing people and when we, when we when we those danielle smith years at at vibe we would find ways to sneak into the building when they wouldn't see us well like, you guys are white well <laughs> no i'm just come on now we are. if i try yeah. to sneak in the building they're gonna think i'm security or call security for me <laughs> <laughs> But we just we just kept at it, and you know who? And you mentioned him before the biggest the biggest cosign, the thing that meant to most to us was when Bun B called us on the phone. Come on, man! And when yeah. Bun B, you hear his voice. It was voice. like a random Wednesday morning at eight o'clock, and we were like, uh, "Hello." 
and and he said first time long time and he told us how he like was really fucking with our videos and how he wanted to do something with us and we were just like how'd you get our number like again, it's bon b yeah yeah oh my and it was through theta i think and we're not making any money at the time like we're just two guys and we did two things right back then consistency and quality our videos yeah. were going to be up there every monday regardless yeah and every, they were every really produced well thank you thank that was you. the other thing and because we wanted to set ourselves apart from everyone else on youtube because right. at it that wasn't point, yeah i mean like it's very easy to sit at a table and go to the camera and just be like subscribe below like that sort of thing like yeah. we were always like we want a different look every single week we want to you know either we're running around and we're getting a bunch of guests or, or we're just doing something that makes it better than last we week. need to it needs to be better it needs to be smarter it needs to stand out because if you're on your rss feed and you see the same old shit and this is what we did our whole career if you're doing the same old shit people are just gonna pass that by yeah we had no problem being different no problem putting putting ourselves out there and 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 we did it so bun calls us and then you know joey ie is like you want to get cam on the podcast or on the on the on the show and we get come cam on, and come on. you know cam's our hero right cam's uh, everyone's hero. Uh, yeah first of all let me announce that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cam Ryan. and God. then and then you know person after person the clips like you know get it slaughterhouse like all these that guys. was the, that was the thing that attracted me to you guys it was it was absurd sketch comedy but it was done. It was done with people that I really liked and respected from a real way. Right. So it was not like, oh, it's some real shit. As much as man, it's totally hilarious because the people are authentic. You yeah. know, yeah. you knew yeah. a publicist didn't just hook this up because it was a good look for the artist at the time. Like you motherfuckers got real rappers and. Just let me announce, Bun B is like the Morgan Freeman of rap. Not yeah. in terms of age, but voice. Yeah. yeah. Like when that motherfucker's voice comes on, <laughs> it it's really like, is a god. It's yeah. like God. It's yeah. like, yeah. he got me, Bun B got me to stop sipping lean. Is that right? Yeah. Like straight the fuck up. We were down in Texas. That's how I learned the independent hustle of just learning from like flipping hump with the first guys to kind of run, um, grind time around there. And then we met Cam and Camille there. They took mm -hmm. us to the north and. You know, the Southside guys were just fucking phenomenal, man. And I just started having too much fun <laughs> getting fucked up <laughs> every day. Right? And just, and Vaughn called me, man, say, hey, killer. And I'm like, yo, what's up, Vaughn? He's like, he's like, a, at this point, he's like a big brother. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, I just want to talk to you about. And man, after that, like, that's eight, 10 minute conversation about what this shit really does to you, man. I just felt, first of all, like an addict. <laughs> I felt like, damn, I'm awful. And since then, I'm cool. You know, I've done it a couple times after that, but mm -hmm. it's just not a thing that yeah. I do. Yeah. Because culturally, it'll suck you in. You know, you, you sip, you hang out, you wrap your ass off for hours and hours, and then you sip some more. And Bun was the person that called me on some homie shit. Like, nah. Is this after a pimp? No. Wow. No, no, no. This is before. This is early. This wow. is the, whenever the first grind time came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like I was going in because wow. I was depressed. Yeah, yeah. I was fucking. I said fuck major labels. Lost my friends. You know what I mean? And yeah. Then it just was like, man, fuck it. Me and my homies gonna rap, do dope, and just go. <laughs> and I was, I was functioning. I was right, but I wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So Bun, like the voice of God, called me. That's when I realized I hung up. Like man, this nigga must be God. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's no one like him and, and one of the most pure and sincere human beings. His yeah. wife and my wife are friends. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a real, 
real life friends. Absolutely. Shout yeah. out to Queenie too. Yeah, 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 yeah most Super, definitely. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Queenie don't fuck with no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, a and, real black woman. And Bun has been there every step of our career to co-sign but stuff e- that we're doing. Yeah, but also to be like, because we always involve him in everything we do, but he'll every single time we ask him to do anything he's like is this gonna kill my career like is this like having him we did a song with him called uh girls of the dirty south it's about women who keep it au natural you know like uh, pubic options and so and the video 70s playboy yeah no really like just really out here and um like humidity waves and so um we uh we we went down to houston to shoot the video which was going to be all of us as the world's worst landscapers who because we salute those women who let their bush grow and we uh to have him on there and to to have him like you know go along with the funny because nobody allows bun to be funny that way like he's one of the funniest yeah Yeah. and and that's that's something that was real important to us we're like you Remember when? Remember when Kanye and Fifty went against each other? Yes, their albums came out on September 11, two thousand seven, right? And I think Kanye and Fifty was like, "I'm going to retire if if Kanye beats me in sales, whatever, whatever." Kanye won uh, for a few reasons, but I think one of one of which was he was so transparent with his fans. Like he was, he was just like, "This is me," and we took something from that. We're like, people should just show all sides to them all their colors yeah. right but this is also at a time when when we were first coming out that a lot of uh opportunities weren't being extended to rappers to show more per- sides of their personality like obviously that's changed now with like you know twitter and instagram and snapchat like everybody can see that it's it's a, a rapper is a human as opposed to you know a gangster you know right so we wanted to be when we first started out we wanted to be either um a, a place where people could show more sides of their personality or at least be the SNL for rap. That's because, what like, I first saw you at. Because, like, you know, uh, you know, rappers weren't on SNL. Yeah. Like, like now, you know, you see Migos on Last Night. You see yeah. fucking, like, you know, Chance the Rapper, whoever right. else. If they're going to have Jay-Z in a, in a sketch, it's going to be, like, you know, sort of just sitting in the car. Right, he didn't have Will any... Will does yeah. something, you know? So it wasn't, like, an active part of this thing. And we were just, like... We, you know, we speak the language. We, we know, we know the culture. We were, we wanted to properly represent for people on a, in a different way. You know, you guys have done a fine job. Thank I, you. At because when I first, of course, when I first saw, I say, like, wow, it's like SNL rappers. But knowing some of the guys you've had, I was like, whoa, that's really him. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really what's most genius. Like, it's very hard in this country, and that's not to go too serious. To help this country understand that black men in particular are whole human beings. Yeah. That love, that care, that concerns, that are funny, that are ridiculous, that are audacious, you know what I'm saying? Or that can be assholes. And you guys have been one of the best factors in terms of helping to just show rappers to their audience that it's not just what you hear for those 45 minutes you're listening to. Well, thank you. And you know what's really important about this podcast, I think? And we've done it for 120 episodes at this point, right? So for two years or something. Yes, two years. Two years. Um, Two we we really want to have someone like Wale on because you watch Everyday Struggle and I I get the point of one of those shows like it's like first take where it's like you're just going to argue that's all it is you're watching two different you know yeah two sides sides together and you're going to argue about something yeah when Wale's album sold you know 22,000 records its first week it was like well it's either Atlantic Records fault or it's Wale's fault and that was like their argument and I thought I watched that, and with all due respect to everyone on that show or behind that show, I was like, Wale's more than just twenty two thousand records. Wale's more than just this argument. Like Wale is a full person, and whatever people want to make of him, like let's give him the chance to have him on here and tell his whole story. 
Like, why not? Right. Yeah. yeah. So soup to nuts to table. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. So is he going to y'all show? Oh, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. The, the We're, first time, the the first time we met Wale was uh, like 2008 or something outside Does he of SOBs. Like you guys, or he don't fuck with y'all. Uh, no, he likes us. He does like but us. But he yeah. keeps us at arm's length because Wale, the first you called me one time to wake Dre up at fucking <laughs> two in the morning. So. <laughs> Of all the times I could call that favor in, I don't see myself really doing a girl song in the future or, you know, I don't think my, 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 my kids' college classes, I don't think I'm their, their vein necessarily. So since I won't call you for that, man, do their show. I'd love to hear you. Just because I like you. I like Wale. Yeah, 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 totally. But so the first time we met him, he said, um, please don't make fun of me until I get big. And okay. I was like, that's very, like, you and, know, indicative. And of, another thing, too, I, I just like to stay for the I would say, fuck with me from the start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, our comedy comes from, like, the roasting tradition. Like, yeah. We poke because we know we, and we love, you know? Yeah. So it's not like. It's I, not- I just thought, I just think as men, shit is better then. Yeah. Like, I tell people all the time, they'll be like, oh, man, you're fucking with me talking shit. Well, you know, I grew up a fucking chubby kid. So yeah. you'll take it. You'll be all the fucking right. But if I don't like you, I don't talk to you. Like, if I didn't like you guys, this conversation would run a whole other way. I'd mm-hmm. ask questions to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ask questions to shut the fuck up. But also, you probably wouldn't have us over at your house. <laughs> maybe. I just yeah. would have had, like, 20 black guys with guns <laughs> walking around and shit, like a vice. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like when we uh, shot our video with Max B. Yeah. Uh, Shouts was, out to Max. Was, yeah. 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 But just, just, just to say, you know, um, that more art, young artists should not, especially artists that are from the street, don't be afraid to smile. Because most of you, you got good teeth for a minute. And don't be afraid to show your whole humanity. It, this shit ain't just pain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We get absor- absorbed in that shit sometimes. It's coming up. As young men, period. As young, whether you want to be a rapper or a fucking lacrosse player or shit, you really get you know driven into this place where you don't show. Like my, my daughter's mom's, Mikey's mom, Muff will always say to me, well, did you cry? You know, when something good happens. Because she knows I'm going to cry. Yeah, I'll fucking cry. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'll fight, but I'll fucking cry too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, think that, I think that you guys, again, doubling back around, it brought a humanity to rappers that I like. Cam is funny as fuck. Oh yeah. My God. Like, to see, like, he's funny on tape, but you'll be horrified at the shit you hear if you're your mom. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, but right. when you see Cameron and see the audaciousness of it, it's, yeah. it's, it's like Rick, it's like watching Ric Flair. Yeah. yeah. By the way, so our mom is like, come like, you know, in 10 years, she's come to totally appreciate. She, so she's thrilled and she says hi, by the way. Hey, yeah. mom. What's she, her name? Her, her name is Marjorie. Hey, Miss Marjorie. How you doing? <laughs> I'm Michael, DC son. Good to meet you. She, she loves you. Whenever she sees you, you on like Colbert, yeah. Colbert, she's just like, and she'll write us emails, and she loves Killer Mike. She called to wish us well before we flew down here. She was like, "Please say hi to Killer Mike." Thanks, Miss Marjorie. Hope you have yeah. a great conversation. You got good boys. They refuse <laughs> drugs, and I haven't offered them alcohol yet. <laughs> um, and so uh, we we did go to SOBs the other day where we saw Consequence, and it was a uh, Sci High, The Prince. Uh, he's dope. Yeah, he's, yeah. From, he's from Decatur. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, there were a few others who were signed to uh, the same label that that he signed to with Shadow over there at um at Sony Red, and uh, this one dude whose name is Special from Brooklyn brought mm, what do you think thirty yeah thirty and it's a, it's a small stage on stage. Did old yeah. school style yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. you know I played SOVs and oh yeah no of course so he's up there. And he goes, 
any of these dudes would shoot for me. Fine. Okay. Fine. And he's like, eh, anybody if, if, up here? If I had a flat tire, they would come running. He go, and, and I was like, he man, was like, my friends suck. He's like, that's he's like street shit. And yeah. I was like, actually, technically, that is street shit. Like, yeah. you had a flat tire. That is street shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then DJ Enough was up there, and he was like bouncing up and down with them, like when they were like mobbing on stage. And I was like, I wonder if Enough. Would actually change his tire for him, you know. <laughs> yeah. But do you have any? Do you have any entourage stories? Because we we have a, we have another song on uh, on our album featuring Bun B about uh, it's called V neck and it's because our crew is so deep. So deep. Yeah, it looks like, like a V neck. <laughs> it's all about like how our entourage is just like humongous. Did you ever like roll with like MC Hammer numbers? I did. Couldn't afford to. Oh, but <laughs> definitely roll with you know eight to ten homies. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. And and. Did you have any problems in any doors? Yeah, we used to, I well, we had a, a hypnotic sponsorship. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, and mm-hmm. it's back. And I see they use Cam as an ambassador. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I wouldn't have made a good ambassador because for some reason we got the idea to mix hypnotic, which was like seven different cognacs or some mm-hmm. shit, um, like that was radiator blue, um, <laughs> with vodka. Mm-hmm. So we were like, hey, let's take this whole <laughs> bottle of Grey Goose. Let's take this whole bottle of hypnotic and let's pour it together over ice. What'd you call it? We call that shit. I, I don't. I forgot. I, I I don't even know what we call it. I just. I know guess we, it worked. I, <laughs> I fought every time I drank that shit. Every time, and I don't mean fault. I mean fault with security. Like man, move, fuck you, nigga. You know what I mean, it's like like the guy paid. That night to watch my life and make sure I made it out of this clubs and fucking kill a nigga Georgia. I made like he at some point be like, yo, man, you need nigga, you need to fuck nigga, fuck you. You know what I mean? Man, who you talking? You nigga. This stuff was consistent. Yeah, no, man, it, it just it just went bad. Is this, you know is this killer Mike or is this Mike Bigger? This is killer Mike. Yeah. Mike Bigger was a much nicer guy. He understood it. Like he understood that I, I have a purpose. Killer Mike was like Nigga, I was in the whole world video, nigga. You must ain't got cable, nigga. Like, like he he's in Wallahoosee, Georgia. Man. Oh my like, god. He 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 just came from a junior college in Iowa playing tight end, wondering why he's not going in. He doesn't fucking know you, killer Mike. You know all the people around him who get to watch MTV and VT do it. Just leave the guy. Alone. So we decided to stop. Accepting that sponsorship, you know, because only you know, bad things. Yeah, that shit would turn me into the fucking Hulk. That and did you ever do I, Incredible Hulk's? No, <laughs> I, I drink is just not my thing. Yeah. Not, it just tasted a little too good, and and it was it was the thought drink of the era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the the but the illest story ever. And um, Cuz Lightyear, who's mm. a virgin and rapper now, growing yep. up some dope records. He he, we call him fresh out of high school. Like he's a kid, yeah. You know what I mean? Like ten years ago, he's a, he's literally a kid, right? And we're in Macon, Georgia, and and our nigga snap snatch my chain, kill him like Gucci Mane is in a rhyme, is in a is in a um. Now I've had a good relationship with Macon, made a lot of money there on the Chilton Circuit. I've done, you know, you're never scared to react. You just yep. you get towns that love you. You mm-hmm. kind of march back around, and we had one, we had absolutely one. One thing we couldn't do that night, just say that line. Damn, <laughs> niggas, my chain, kill him like Gucci. Because the young man, unfortunately, who was killed in that whole tobacco was making it. And, and God mm-hmm. bless him. Mm-hmm. That part is not funny. But to be on stage 
And I don't know if it was Gigi or, uh, or Cuz. I don't. I don't. I don't know. If, I, I don't think it was Cuz. Oh, it might have been Cuz. <laughs> <laughs> and it, if it wasn't, fuck it. They got your name said two more times. People go Google you and hear some dope music because you're an adult now. You're, you're about to pop. But somebody threw something and it went to nigga. If you throw and that shit went to wow bottles and fighting and and we just got out of there like rats escaping <laughs> a room full of cats oh trying God. to kill them we snatched the money out of the promoter's <laughs> hand on the way out jumped in the van ducked to avoid bullets and got our ass back up to georgia like that shouts out the money wow. man, guys. so that's one of those classic southern stories <laughs> like we did shit like that man you'd be in a place like the rolls in alabama half the club would be crips half the club would be bloods there would be this imaginary line where the whole left side of the stage would be blue the whole right side would be red and it was like those kind of that chitlin circuit experience yeah is a hell of an experience on the come up that's why i don't i don't shit on young rappers especially ones that come up on the street shit out of the South because they had to earn it. Yeah. Know, in a different way than other entertainers. What was what was your experience at SOB's? At like SOB's? First, yeah, first time. First time was dope. First time was dope. It when was, was um, it? it was it was um it was the it was us opening for Dead Prez. It was us and the little it was us and it was Dead Prez headliner, Killer Mike in the middle, and Young Bloods. Mm. Wow. Young Bloods. That's and, dope. So yeah, this is like 2003-ish? Yeah, three-ish, four-ish. Yeah. Yep, and Dead Prayers was the most. I mean, man, they were beating the block up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So my whole shit was, okay, they got the Young Bloods who got a dope-ass record, but I know some of the audiences ain't going to you know, know until they get into the records. You got Dead Prayers to this extreme when we come through the South. Who's You got an audience that's kind of coming from Young Bloods. They're going to stick around for me because I got – Couple big records on Chitlin Circuit. That's when I first understood that I was a connector between two worlds. Yeah, because I was a, I was a Southern dude. I, I loved and made those kind of records, and I also grew up loving East Coast records. <clears throat> and I made and was comfortable over those type of beats and records and messaging. That's when I first realized it was space for me and music in a different way than what what even Outkast thought I should be doing, the record company thought I should be doing, even what I had thought I'd be doing. Yeah. So the first time I did SOBs, I was nervous as fuck because I thought it was just going to be some RBG shit. <laughs> and it was that too, but my music connected with them in a different way. Mm -hmm. And the Youngblood stuff and the stuff that we had similar connected, but I realized the power of a, a mean-ass record with, like, Never Scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just like, oh, you can do records that nobody give a fuck about uh, they just jamming and that's what I think by the time I got to run the jewels I understood like mm -hmm. make the music jamming like yeah. fuck what people need is their particular message for that particular thing make the dope records and people are gonna fuck with it you know yeah. what I mean? did Bone Crusher ever cook for you yes that motherfucker <laughs> hell, hell of a macaroni and cheese <laughs> probably the reason I don't call him as often now cause my trainer would fucking kill me <laughs> <laughs> we um we headline SOBs, right? Um, yeah. Uh, back in February. And people got to understand about this club. It's a weird club in that the stage is here, but to get to the stage, you walk from below ground. Yeah. Through the, through the crowd. crowd. <laughs> yeah. On the stage. So it's kind of like Elvis at a Hawaii concert. Yeah. <laughs> if motherfuckers like you, it feels like shit. And if they don't know you, it's the scariest walk of your fucking life. Like, it's just like, excuse me, excuse me. Exactly. Sorry, excuse me, excuse and they're like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> I, got, I have to go on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, we we had just Blaze DJ for us, and and we brought out Freeway. 
um, which was so talk about like guys who grew up on Rockefeller like this was oh, to be on the same stage as those guys was like we should have thrown out the rock more I know yeah, yeah. it was it was <laughs> unbelievable but a couple things funny happened that night one of which was you know the um, that tiny dressing room downstairs um, I do uh, they have a door there and they usually have security work in there and I think because we're just I don't know yeah, friendly regular, people yeah. who know this whole audience like, like you know. we had like a we had a list you know we were like oh you know because like you know because because we were like we're trying to take this like as professionally as like we can right? but we were also like you know uh these are all of our friends but we don't want to see all of our friends down in yeah. in so our, our dressing room yeah yeah and so uh eric had to run around because um freeway uh was having trouble getting up to new york and I was down there by myself, freaking out, but you know, silently, just, walk, <laughs> just walk, walking around the dressing room by myself, like literally in circles, because I was I was so nervous about this whole thing coming together. And suddenly, all these people start coming down, and they're just like, "Hey, like, are you? How do you feel about the show?" And I'm just like, "I, I want to die," but like, I <laughs> don't want to tell them that because they didn't staff any like security there, like you know, the tight end from like Iowa who just moved there, like, was not there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's like. It, people drop their coats off at coat check downstairs they and then come their way down to hang out and we're yeah. just like they're drinking they're doing whatever and we're just like we we just want to focus and remember our lyrics and all that like so we don't want to i'm the same way before we are the same way like yeah. the hour before the show just leave the fuck alone <laughs> yeah like we love you and shit but just just stop yeah. yeah like you sort of have to get into like a mindset yeah absolutely because you're nervous like people ask people, how you feel i was like i'm nervous like, you've done 100 shows, and I'm fucking nervous. Yeah. Stop talking. Like, I'm just <laughs> oh, happy I don't shit. throw up. Like, yeah. it was it was, it was was bad. But um, um, we, we got through You it. look like nothing rattles you. I do? Yeah, I mean, you got, like, the Ben Affleck in the account, look, haircut and glasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like you could kill a motherfucker and eat a pancake. I mean, I... While his body's still on the table, just like, <laughs> yep, you talk to Dan, I talk to bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm really good at a shotgun. I've gone uh, skeet shooting. And, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. We could go around the corner. We can't go today, huh? Yes, a little too might be a little too wet. <laughs> oh, I was going to be like, your neighbors have problems with, uh, with shotguns being shot off right next to them? Yeah. I mean, you're on three acres. Oh, nobody's true. Gonna, yeah, nobody, yeah. I mean, I got one neighbor. Who? Yeah. Him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a shotgun next street over there. There's a skeet, the, the, the Olympic skeet shooting range is Whoa. over there from uh, back in '96. Wow. And my wife, I think she got her shotgun. We got a couple shotguns in the house. Man. Yeah. I mean, well, with I the, the skeet a lot shooting. of guns in the house actually. Um, we have a song on the on the album called uh, "Sure Did," which is about like talking to like just people who might not believe in us, like the haters out there. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And this is a the the proverbial haters. That's right. Yeah, um, the people you make up in your mind, even if they aren't there. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. But <laughs> we but we live in an age now where like you're so accessible via Twitter and Instagram and everything that and people just think that they can say whatever they want recklessly. And they don't care if you see it, and if you do acknowledge them, they get some sort of thrill out of that. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? Because like like we're we're of a certain level, and we get like you know a lot of people love us, some people don't, yeah. th- and they they make that known. You're you are appropriated. You are. You are <laughs> we we the culture vultures <laughs> prefer that nomenclature. <laughs> and really, you're just two fucking kids who love rap. That's like it. That. That's it. But your your times a million, right? Like uh, you're you're out there on national TV. You're out there touring the country. What do people say to you, and how do you take it on social media? Do they, ever, do you call you, do they and, ever call you a Democrat? Do they ever call you a socialist? <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. also, I mean, 
you also like you know come back to your house and can probably like shut it out and not care. Yeah. How do you handle it? I like to fight, so I do. I care. Yeah, you know what I mean, I don't care about everything you say, but. Like, first of all, like, if you insult me, calling me fat, it's like, that doesn't really bother me right. much just because, you know, I mean, my wife makes me work out and eat better, but I've been <laughs> fat most of my life. It's kind of how I learned how to talk shit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Like, you're fat. Man, your mom sucked my uncle's dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nah, in real life, your mom smokes bass. You, my uncle gets his fucking head from you. I'll bring you a picture. You want me to, you know what I'm saying? Because he knows his mom really sucks dick. He, that made him angry. Yeah. Like these are the kind of so I never gave a fuck about that shit as much as you know you t- learn to talk shit and you fold up like a sucker. So for you guys that just say yo you fat at all right. You know what I mean? Cool, my nigga. I'll think about that on the treadmill tomorrow as you're going to work. (laughs) But the ones that are really that that are really you know that I I wouldn't say get to me is the ones that that assume because I liked a particular policy or a person or something that I'm this side. You know what I'm saying? Like. God bless, man, white conservative men. They don't really research before they insult. What? You know what I mean? <laughs> they just insult. You know, they yeah. just like they saw an episode of Power and all of a sudden, fucking, they know what you are. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, so my friend Colin Noor, who's a, who's um he's an NRA guy. He's a black guy. And like, he'll post up something about me. Guys, we are, yeah, fuck, I don't believe he did. And then I was like, man, I was like, bro, I'm actually very pro-Second Amendment, man, and uh, I supported Bernie Sanders because I think old people and all people deserve health care. I don't see how those things are separate. Um, You know, sorry I didn't vote Trump because he's not qualified, and then the next thing you know, this guy's coming back. And it's only within a few, and you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. Racist shit. And that's when you're just like, man, I really just want to shoot you in your fucking face. And I don't don't like people to bring... Mm -hmm that out of me because what I understand about you is that you really are what makes this world more fucked up because you need to feel superior to someone in order to feel good about yourself. So that shit fucks with me because I know that that's not trolling. That's not, you're expressing a view you would never express sitting across this table from me. Right. And even if we did in a civil argument without the threat of vet to violence or anything, you couldn't handle that debate in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be willing as an American willing to take a DNA test to see what's in you for real because it will shatter the mythology of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant that you need in order to feel human when you could just feel like a human being. So that type of stuff bothers me because I understand that we really could get rid of those things in 20 years, which just with ratifying the education system yep. and making sure that people interacted with people who didn't look like them. So that disturbs me because I know it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. But the other shit doesn't bother me. You know, if you talk shit about my kids and wife, I get tiffed a little, but I'm probably going to go to your page, see your kids and wife, and I'm going to have a field day. <laughs> yeah, <fucking laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to have a field day on that fat bitch. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can just... You can definitely count on me arguing with people, but then I get bored and it's just done. You know, it's like okay, I was that was a nice fifteen minutes. I'm going to go back to not having a job. <laughs> I know you got to get back off lunch. You know what I'm saying? Did you see Charles Barkley talk to Richard Spencer on his uh, Solving Race show? No, I don't. I don't. I like I, the only way I can still like Barkley, even meaning down to the shoes you're wearing, which I some of my favorite Nikes. Yep. 
is not to listen to him. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Barkley is from Alabama. <laughs> and my family's from Alabama. And, and, and God bless their soul. You got you got a few types in Alabama, but he's the type I don't like. Like It ain't just because motherfuckers wearing their pants around their ass, Chuck. You know, I'm sorry, Chuck. And no matter how hard we try to be respectful and you know, there are going to be some people who disrespect us just because, like the people I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I got to watch Chuck's thing, but I just don't often. For him to be a hero of mine, sometimes I don't I don't like to hear him talk on race. Him and Carl Malone, yep. I'd rather not hear talk on race because they're not going to talk from an honest place. Like, if I want to hear someone talk on race, I want to hear Shannon Sharp. I want to hear Deion Sanders because they're going to find a middle ground where every you know everything black people say ain't 100%. You know, sometimes – all right, you'll get an overreaction, but Shannon Sharp or Dion is going to be able to put that in the context of, well, this is why the overreaction happens versus fucking Chuck. It's just like, oh, man, all young black men are fucking crazy. It's like, oh, <laughs> god damn, Chuck. <laughs> Fuck. As you're standing in a pair of his fucking shoes. Right. Yeah. You know, so. I haven't, but how was it? Um, I watched, th- there's like a two-minute clip that's up on Twitter or something, and I feel like it's a disappointment to not challenge Richard Spencer who is a Nazi Mm -hmm. um, on his views and to just be like well what you're saying is sort of out there you know you don't you don't actually like um, really go in on him and be like no no no, your 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 whole idea of of humanity is fucked Why, but my thing is like, is Chuck qualified to do so? No, no, no. Of course you know what not. I'm Chuck, Chuck is just like an old country man from a cultural standpoint that's mad that younger generations are a little more adventurous in, in terms. So he ends up saying some shit that lends itself to Spencer sometime, unfortunately. Right. But if if Spencer's going to get an interview again, give me Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. Give me someone who is not only has been a great athlete, but definitely in terms of a, a an intellectual level, it's brilliant enough to really get to the point because. In a sense, like all Richard Spencer or any fucking white nationalist is saying is that I want this shit to be all white. And that lends itself to how did we get here to all white? Right. Which means we have to acknowledge genocide. We have to acknowledge slavery. We have to acknowledge motherfuckers. We all hear by serendipity accident. This ain't a grand plot. And there's an evil in that that you can point out when you attract, when you go at it from an honest perspective versus trying to say, you know. Right. gingerly go around it and hope he says something provocative but I think TV's fucked up now mm-hmm. I think it's fucked up you can't say nigger on TV mm-hmm. I think because when you look at when you look at All in the Family you look at the Jeffersons you're looking at much more socially challenging TV yep. than the shit we get now when you're watching Planet of the Apes via the 1960s it this Planet of the Apes the, the fucking the, the sci-fi is amazing the 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 class and storyline that you had 40 years ago right gone right this is more of for vegans and people who don't want to see animals, and I get that too. But while we're doing that, the original Planet of the Apes really taught you about class mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I just think TV's gotten pretty pussy overall. Mm-hmm. So who better to do something with Richard Spencer than fucking Chuck <laughs> or Carl Malone? <laughs> um, we have Barkley's never going to shake my hand. We have, <laughs> but I do love you, Barkley, like real G shit. But would you shake his hand? I shake Barkley's hand because parts of Barkley are 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 admirable, and they're what. Again, my family's from Alabama, so I understand them too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like parts of the hard work concept, the not making excuses, the that shit is for real. Mm-hmm. Even even in the most vehement of racist societies, there is room to succeed and prosper. Of uh, and 
There's a group of people called Jewish people for the last 10,000 years. They really been getting the fucked into the stick on a lot of shit. And they have managed culturally because they insulated themselves and they worked their ass off and they endured things to, to, to thrive in places where others could not and would not have. And I, I often, I often tell people like I look at culturally other pe other groups of people and how they've been able to, to kind of survive it, including black people in this country, and that's to be applauded. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, some things that that are out there we can take from other successful groups just as a people. We can stop all the infighting, you know, like I don't have to hate Uncle Chuck and not fuck with him to disagree with him. Mm -hmm. I just fucking disagree with you. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean yeah. I hate you. Right. But I think that I would shake his hand because I think that anyone who makes it out of rural Alabama, anyone who makes it into the NBA, has his money afterwards, a successful man, hates on young black men a little too much, even though he's no Jason fucking Whitlock. Mm -hmm. I think that's to be applauded because that's something I can tell my 14-year-old upstairs. If you really apply yourself, this is a possibility, and not just with a basketball. Right. Yeah. You know, you can do this like your parents. Your parents wanted them to be learned they they understood that math can make you fucking money yeah and a liberal arts degree in fucking screenwriting may not but i feel like every, <laughs> i feel true. like uh, people just go into physics for the pussy you know yeah 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 all that fucking what's that what's, what's that new janelle monet movie the one they wanted to movie oh uh, uh, hidden uh, figures hidden figures yeah. Yeah. yeah shots out yeah um we have a song uh called sugar high with currency and smoke dizza and with all due respect to you those two guys um might light up more than anybody we know those are the homies i smoke with yeah them. Absolutely. yeah yeah so the song is obviously like our drug of choice it's it's sugar and we wanted to get those guys to really spit in a very like you know drugged out way drugged out way yeah, and like, they did it yeah um who are the i mean besides snoop besides currency besides um yeah who smoke smokes dizza? as much as you yeah Oh uh, man, I've smoked with Snoop, who my who complimented my wife's um fucking joint rolling ability. Congratulations. Um, shouts out to Shay. <laughs> um Currency, me and him last time we smoked, we were in his crib, the whole crew was smoking, they start taking dabs. Um that scares me because it reminds me of the crack era. But right. I dabbed because I was with the homies currency. And at the end of the night, it was just me, him, and his dogs awake. And everybody <laughs> else was fucking out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, who else smoked? Me and Diz at the Sweet Chicks Cafe. Shouts out to Sweet yeah. Chicks. That's um over in. in Did you go Lower East Side? Or, yeah. yeah. When it opened, me and Smoke were in the back with with other folks just lighting up the fucking kitchen, <laughs> smoking in that my wasn't the back of the kitchen. I want health inspectors, evil motherfuckers. But we are. Um, I mean, it's Nas's restaurant, so I think you're good. Yeah, 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 we were all lit. You know what I mean? I smoked with Nas a couple weeks ago. I don't know, man. I smoked. I just my wife and I. My wife is my favorite person to smoke with. That's who I'm constantly. Congratulations yeah. again. By the way, I thought <laughs> you were just gonna stop it. Like he's my favorite person. Like yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, and in terms of smoke out, man, it, you'd be hard pressed to smoke as Wiz? much as. No, I smoke. Nah, me and Wiz haven't smoked. That. We've been in the same room smoking. Mm -hmm. But um, Titty Boy, Tit, me and Tit have smoked, mm -hmm. of course. But Ray Murray and Big Boy. Ray Murray from Organized Noise and Big Boy. When you walk in the studio, just a random time, you walk in the studio. Name it. Uh, three o'clock. Three in, in the, the afternoon. Yeah. You're in the studio. Yeah. You're going to leave the studio three the next morning. <laughs> There's going to be a joint in the air the entire time you're in the studio. <laughs> and that is, that is, whoo, that is a, that's a hell of a way to be making music, brother. So I would say in terms of the most fucking around with Ray and Big. Yeah. You'll smoke Big or sit there and roll 28. 
joints. I roll gram joints. Each one of my joints is about a gram. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably rolls about point seven. So if he rolls, if he rolls forty joints. You're gonna walk out of there having smoked about thirty, thirty-five. So close to an ounce. And setting. My wife and I average an ounce every three days. So. And uh, what is the snack of choice for you? Oh man, well it used to be food I like. Now it's fucking suja <laughs> and water. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the suja too, but I'm just saying. I, it used to be like the Waffle House. You yeah. know? <laughs> now I'm drinking fucking suja and some goddamn purified. So, all right, this album is coming out on Friday. What do you What do you do? typically around like a new album release is it relief for you that you put out something that people haven't heard yet is yeah i mean you're just nervous you want them to hear it, it was, which is why me and l just keep leaking our shit like yeah <laughs> fuck the company <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> what advice do you have for for uh for somebody who's dropping your debut album oh man let me see if i was if i was joe buttons what i would say <laughs> You got a 360 deal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you know? <laughs> Actually, we're putting it out through our friends over at Empire. Shout yeah. out to John Master over there. Okay, okay, um, okay. But That's um, just a distro deal. What's that? That's distro just a distro deal. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my thing is I would look at the first album as a first year, not a first week. I would look at your first album as a first time, not the final time. I'd look at your first album as something fun as an introductory handshake. And I'd already be working on my second album just yeah. in case this shit really, really works out. <laughs> you know um, do you like working in a duo or do you want to go solo like maybe I do? <laughs> How does the fucking twin want to go solo? You're I've used to being with yet. someone. <laughs> tired of this shit. Dan! <laughs> Yo, I like I like being one half of Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, even then when I drop, guess versus still of Killer Mike, one half of Run the Jewels. I like it. I, I prefer this because... You know, if you're happy, you have people to be a person and people to be happy with. And if you're sad, you're not by your goddamn self with your house full of guns. Yo, thank you for having us in your house. Man, thank absolutely. you for being a part of this. Absolutely. Um, not many people are allowed to come to my house. Bernie he, Sanders. Well, yeah, he's <laughs> coming, but he's coming. And you guys are white. I'm going to tell you. My wife loves that shit. I'm going to tell you that. Shit, I was like, yo, we got some people coming by the house. She, she was like, the white boys. Like, she's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, if you wanted a homies, hey, you might have to beat up the street. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. Hey, man, love and respect, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us, if people want to find out more about this podcast, and most importantly, if people want to find out about our rap album, Teddy Bear Fresh, out in stores this Friday, May 26th. Where can they go? Can you believe that we are actually on all streaming services with our album? It is on Spotify. It is on iTunes. It is on Beats Music. It is on Google Play, so that the one guy in the comment section (laughs) who keeps talking about Google Play, a.k.a. Alfie, it's there. It is there, and it is not getting removed. It is there. Um, You can also go and listen to our podcast at SoundCloud.com slash waste of time you can listen to our music at soundcloud.com slash it's the real we are also on instagram at it's the real facebook at it's the real twitter at it's the real we are also on snapchat at it's it's the real and it's the real eric because it's the real was taken and we will get that it's the real back we're working on it guys on it. we like to shout out people to tell them to spread the word about our podcast and we hope that you guys listen and hear your shout outs because you know we think about these things so shout out to you if we shout you out and this week, Jeff, who would you like to shout? I want to shout out a long-time internet 
uh, friend, okay, uh, who we've never actually met because we have not been to Missouri, but shout out to Joshua Tank Thompson. Yes. Who started out in the not right comment section with our friend Ray Rodriguez. That's right. And Ray the Hussein, excuse me. Shout out to Ray. And uh, Joshua Tank Thompson and his wife and uh, the whole family, everybody out there, shout out to all of them. Appreciate for sticking you with us for basically 10 years. Yeah, and uh, keep spreading the word about It's the Real. I would like to shout out, first of all, everybody who was a part of Teddy Bear Fresh, from Greg Mayo on production to John Master and all the folks at Empire for distributing the album. I want to shout out Currency, Smoke Dizza, Bun B, Jazz Cartier, Michael Christmas, Tunji Ige, Angie Martinez, Combat Jack, Just Blaze, Scott Rogowski, Sway. Um, shout out to everybody who's been along uh, for this incredible ride, listening to different mixes. Um, oh, shout out to John Sparks for doing the mastering. Shout out to Ian Rex Arrow Wolfson for directing our videos. Shout out to everybody who's been fucking with the music and letting us know. And we will make sure, if you guys show us the receipts, we will make sure to shout you out. Teddy Bear Fresh. It's really out there. Unbelievable. Wait, can I just say something? So, I just shouted out, like, you know, a person who, <laughs> uh, you know, shouts to, to Joshua Tank Thompson yeah. for all of his support. But yep. like, you just, like, so, Eric and I, um, when we used to do red carpets, this one time we were interviewing Estelle, the, the singer from uh, right. Great Britain. Yeah. And we asked her, hey, like, what are you here to promote? And she says, oh, I'm here to promote my, my new single, right. whatever it was. Yep. And we go, oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, we, we were here to promote World, world peace, peace and End World Hunger, oh, but, but, you know, we can talk about your single. That's fine. Yeah, it sounds, sure. It sounds great. Yeah. But, you know, we really would have rather <laughs> talked about the other stuff. And so we thought that was one of our best bits, and that's exactly how I feel right now <laughs> when you are shouting out every single person that we should be thanking, and I'm just like, it's oh, a, yeah. No, it, it, listen, it, you could have you know, you could have gone in a different direction. You could have been like, shout out to the construction guys for not doing construction Yo, right but now. really shout out to them. Yeah, but while it's, while it's raining outside and preventing them from doing the that's hammering. Ins- no, that's, yeah, they were hammering all day today. Like, oh. that's not, that's not going to stop This them. is the one thing. I was like, we had a very nice time down in Atlanta, and then it's like, you get on that plane, it's like, oh, no. Tomorrow morning is just going to be rough. Drilling outside my window. Oh God! Um, Buzz sauce. Welcome guys, to New York City. Thank you for uh, for listening again for two years. It's been quite a run. We appreciate it. If you haven't checked out our, you know, our first episode and then some, go back. Podcasts are forever. Just like Cardi B said, podcasts are forever. Not for real, for real. Sure, sure. Teddy bear fresh in stores. 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 We'll see you guys next week. Right. <laughs>